0: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Pint of Science podcast. My name is Sam, I'm usually the one operating the desk whilst Callum and Jim do the talking, but unfortunately they aren't available today, so it's just going to be me. We'll make up for that though with a very special guest. We are in Lincolnshire, untrodden ground for the Pint of Science podcast, for a, well actually it's a cup of tea this time, with YouTube inventor Colin Furs. Colin's incredible and quite often dangerous and bizarre inventions have inspired millions of people around the world, and he has a loyal fan base of eight and three quarters of a million. YouTube subscribers. From his beginnings as a plumber making videos in his shed in his spare time, he's built everything from jet powered bikes to belts made of knives and realistic Star Wars AT walkers, but he's taking on his biggest ever challenge with BBC Earth, quantum levitation. That's right, he's going to help someone float. This is going to be good. We are in the living room of the one and only Colin Furs, YouTuber, creator, inventor. I mean, what would you call yourself, Colin? What's your I struggle, mate? I
1: struggle to know. I get this question all the time. You know, you get somebody ring up to an interview. What would you call yourself? And I'm like, mm, well, I'm not really an engineer because I've, you know, I've not got any engineering qualifications, and I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just winging it half the time, <laughs> sort of thing. And if you say like YouTube inventor, that sounds like I invented YouTube or the internet itself. So yeah, creators you know it seems to have been the the uh, the choice one or a maker we call themselves makers now don't yeah we? that's a
0: yes yeah. i like the phrase maker because it sounds a bit more arts and crafty and no no offence to any of your creations but i don't think it'd be a million miles off to call some of them a bit crafty <laughs> yeah i mean, well, rude i'm not that- i'm not
1: bothered really <laughs> it's it's for people to work out themselves what they want to call me really <laughs> i've been called worse things so i'm good i've got broad shoulders so what's your story for for people who maybe aren't familiar with the YouTube? Well, essentially, I I was on it nearly from the start. I think YouTube started in February 2005. I joined it in 2006. Basically, I, I used to make videos anyway of me messing around. They weren't tend to be ones of me making stuff, but they were messing around. It's a bit jackass-like, I suppose. It used to be right BMXs and things like that. So that's where the video ed- editing and creation kind of skills come from. And then someone said, you know, oh, there's this website where you can upload stuff. And I uploaded it. You know, there was this one—the first video I ever put on. It's not actually on there anymore. It was a super soaker full of petrol. Made a flamethrower out of it, <laughs> but then about five years later, I got arrested for putting a flamethrower on the back of a back of a moped. So while I was in the police car getting taken to the police station, I took it off. Oh, yeah, I thought this is one. not going to do me any good. This is not. Um, yeah, so it was kind of like a spare time thing, uploading videos. And then there was things on there which were quite creative, and people like were interested in how these things were made. You know, I had you know, how did you make that? We you know, we did these. Uh, this made this wall of death out of pallets, basically, that you rode around on the inside of, and that kind of had like a little bit of a, bit, a video of us making it, and that did you know just as well as the as the one of me riding it. So that was kind of like, ah, oh, this is this is quite cool. This is. So then I started, you know, making stuff, trying to get better and better. It was about the same time that my dad passed away and I managed to get in the family shed, which I wasn't previously allowed in. So, and with that, it kind of snowballed to the point where all of a sudden my day job as a plumber was getting in the way because it's like there's, you know, there's this opportunity on the internet, you know. It started to generate money because when I first uploaded stuff, there was no AdSense scheme, mm. there was no money in it or anything like that. So, so it all kind of... Just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed to the point now that's this. I mean, I don't know, I don't know really. What is it? So, you know, <laughs> I, I think I'm the most subscribed engineering channel on the internet. I think, depends how you look at it. There are other channels that do like artsy crafty things. There's a couple of them that have got a bit more, but they don't weld make huge hug busters and land speeders and things like that. So, I, I'm slightly different <laughs> level to them, if you know what I mean, of what, what is created. But, anyway, it's all good. So yes, yeah, so that's kind of the story, really, and and I am just thinking of stuff to build and make and try, and we'll have a go, have a go at trying to do it. We, you know, with very little
0: knowledge sometimes before I start of of what's what's to be done. I was going to ask you about that because most of the people that we talk to on on this podcast, on the Point of Science podcast, have spent fifteen, twenty, thirty years becoming an absolute expert in something very, very niche. Yeah, it could be fruit flies. It could be salt formations in the Himalayas <laughs> how do you think I want to do that I don't know much about it but I want to do that but what's your process for coming up with an idea and learning enough to make sure you don't kill yourself
1: I suppose it is re- it's It's nearly like how a child would look at it because uh, I made a hover bike it was 2016 and <laughs> it looks ludicrously dangerous <laughs> it, is, it is ludicrously dangerous check out that video it, by the way I'll link it in the description it basically wants to chop your legs off but essentially, it was like, right, you know, Ford's. it was sponsored by Ford, because that's what happens nowadays, you get you get sponsors for videos, and they were kind of like, we want you to make a wacky machine, and, you know, and also you think, if someone else is paying for it, let's let's make something let's go that would be, you know, way out of the budget, and I was, you know, looking at these paramotors, and it says on the, you know, on the website, they kicked out about 60, 70 kilos of thrust or whatever, and I thought, well, I'm 80 kilos, if we can strap two or three of them together, surely, you know, point them downwards, they're going to get <laughs> off the ground. And that's re- really what it was, was just such a a simple way of looking at something, you know, strap, you know, and we did, we strapped two of them to, a, you know, to a bit of frame, we hung it up in the garden between the swing. And then that's when you start to learn things. Some some things you can see problems. I, I had a feeling that the, the blades would have to counter rotate because I knew that from helicopters, you know, they always have counter rotating blades or the tail fin to kind of stop that but you kind of think like well is it going to be that bad do you know what i mean maybe (laughs) for what we want it will be okay but christ the gyroscopic spit off the thing when they were both going the same direction was was colossal so then we flipped one of them to do it and then that was like oh it's not too bad this is you know that's calmed it down a lot more and then it was too heavy because initially you think right i need a bit of stability we need that you know we don't if we tip it over we don't want to crash itself so the frame was you know got way too big for it what it needed to be so we ended up chopping bits off and then you kind of just through a process of elimination you start solving problems and, and and stuff until you end up with something at the end which kind of worked and it did it got off the ground it was very very hard to control um, the main reason for that is the motors were never running at the same RPM because they were two completely separate mm. petrol engines I literally just had to pin them by flat out to get it to get off the ground so had two throttles. I mean originally it was like kind of if I want to go forward I'll you know rev the back one a bit more but no you just have to flat out hope hope and pray <laughs> sort of thing and kind of use your body weight to, to maneuver it around and you could do to a certain degree but it did still want to spin round a little bit but there was a few times where they were both singing the same tune and it literally just went up and sat there and I was like wow this is this is actually kind of working sort of thing it's still terrifying. But, you know, but it kind of worked. And that's sort of what I'll, I'll think. I'll think of what's what's what do we want to see? What do we want to see work and then work backwards? Is that going to make an entertaining video and an entertaining process? You kind of, you know, because ultimately I'm in the entertainment business, you know, with what I do. So, you know, I'll look at you know, what's going to look awesome, what's going to be cool,
0: bring it back and then go through the process and see what happens along the way. You've become a bit of a science educator, haven't you, and a science communicator. Was that something that you consciously did, or is it just a happy accident that comes along with having a great time? Yeah, it's completely by stealth. I mean, when I first
1: started doing it, it was it was just like, you know, what's the craziest, coolest thing we can do? But then like now, because I've been doing it what, eleven, nearly twelve years, there are people that started watching my videos when they were 16. They've now gone through university and college and whatever as engineers and they've come out the other end. And I've met them at places and they were like, oh, you know, I'm an engineer, I work for so and so. And it was because of me watching your videos when I was younger that I'm now doing that. And that's that's kind of crazy, really, that you know, because of watching me, you know, being an idiot in my in my <laughs> garage, they've gone and got educated properly and, and going off to do something more
0: worthwhile. <laughs> it's a great kind of invention, isn't it? There's something about you give a Brit a shed. <laughs> I mean, we we went for a tour around the JCB
1: factory yesterday. Uh, got invited round there for a look, just for recreation. Nothing to do. you know, I'm not building anything out of a JCB and it like that. And and he started off in a shed. So he bought this little thing and he was convert he converted trailers to tip because he basically saw looked at his farmer or something trying to you know bail all his straw or manure off the back of his trailer. And he just got back from the war or been in the air force or something. There was all these. Bits laying around from disused military vehicles, and he'd learnt about all these things in the in the army. And he just looked at that and thought, "Oh, I can I can do something here." So we put this tiny little shed and made this first tipping trailer, and that's where it kind of all began. I know, like compression plumbing fittings, they were designed in a shed. The wind up radio, whatever is, wow, what's his name who did that? Yeah, he that was all
0: shed. There's so many things have come out of sheds. <laughs> it's where it all starts. It is, and then you end up with. Obviously, the audience can't see this now, but under a tarpaulin outside your house, you've got a Star Wars land speeder. Yeah, a land speeder. I mean, there's some strange
1: things been coming in and out of this house. I mean, everyone goes, "Oh, do you know? Do you actually live there?" I'm like, "Yes, I do actually live here." Because some people think this is a set house now, but yeah. it's not. You know, I do live here. You know, there's an underground bunker in the garden. You know, <laughs> we've had 360 swings in the back and the big, you know, Star Wars 8080. But this is, I mean, this is the joy of the internet. I mean, obviously, what we're doing now, this podcast, is all because of the internet. You know, that this can become a, a career and a profession. It's the same with YouTube. To think that messing around in a shed building stuff would ever become a job is amazing.
0: It's fantastic, isn't it? I want to talk about this how to levitate project you've been doing with BBC Earth. Yes. So how do you go from hydraulics, engines, mechanics to quantum levitation, something that even scientists don't really understand? What was the how did it happen? Who started this? <laughs> well, I mean this was Rick. It's all Rick's fault,
1: isn't it? Rick's Rick loves his science, wanted to levitate and I was like Of all the people that would want to levitate, trust it to be you. He's a giant. I don't know if you've (laughs) ever met him. He's like six foot six. He's huge, sort of thing. I mean, I used to think I was tall, but I'm not tall at all compared
0: to Rick. (laughs) So for context, I should just spell out the context of the video. You and Rick Edwards, another famous science presenter, have just done a video with BBC Earth. You can find it on the BBC Earth YouTube channel now, in which Rick decides that he wants to levitate. Not fly, he wants to levitate and you set it up so that he has to do it without any mechanical assistance. Is that right? Yeah, that was that was always the plan. We wanted to we wanted to try and do something because I mean, obviously,
1: I mean, you could say that my hoverboard was levitating, but I think the um, the image of everybody once has been able to float is kind of silent because if there's too much noise going on around, it's a slightly different experience. Because there's Richard Browning mm. who's done the um, who's got his gravity suit where he's got the, the two jet engines on each arm yes. and one on the back. Um, I mean, that's fantastic. He's it got looks amazing and deadly. Yeah, totally. I've I've had a brief go on it actually. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, it's um, you're, you're, tevered... a, you're a brave man, Colin. Oh no, it's all <laughs> right. You're tethered to the top of a barn, so you can't you can't die. But you, w- I would have done had I not been tethered to the top of the barn. It's. I mean, if you scratch your nose, though, you're gonna. you, you can't. You're gonna, you you can't you're burn it. yourself. You've got two challenges <laughs> strapped to your wrist. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but that is levitating. But because there's so much noise. And and energy everywhere. It, you you don't look at it as levitating. You look at it as powered flight sort of thing. So Rick said, "I want to you know I want to levitate." He basically, just wants like Superman. And we started looking at uh, sonic lev or whatever it's called. The uh, or you know with the, with the sound waves. Ultrasound. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it. And we looked at that and there was there was talk that they were gonna be able to levitate a child or something. Someone said that made some break for that. That turned out to be nonsense. I don't know <laughs> for, what, for fairly obvious health and safety reasons. <laughs> well that's what I thought. This, I thought, You're gonna <laughs> levitate a child. I thought like, sign me up. This sounds crazy. <laughs>
0: But it, no, you couldn't levitate a child. It was I like, imagine the forms. I mean, I used to work at the BBC. The forms for <laughs> levitating a child on a on a thousand watts of speakers.
1: Well, I mean, it had all the all the ingredients of a you know YouTube gold sat right <laughs> well, there, wasn't like, it? Yeah. So I thought brilliant. But uh, but no, that turned out not to be true. I think the the smallest thing that levitated was like 0.5 of a gram or something. It was you know, something microscopic. But you could do it. So I think there's various different ways that people were looking at it with levitation and then there's obviously the quantum levitation which is what we ended up doing which like you say I mean please don't ask me how it works I know how to do it in terms of you get your superconductor you freeze it in liquid nitrogen and you kind of lock it in position and then it stays there you know while it's cold how and why it does that I've no idea somebody you know the, the guy from Cambridge that brought the Mobius strip round which we did the
0: test with sort of tried to explain it to me But it it didn't make any sense to me. (laughs) It's like a roller coaster track made of magnets, isn't it? And then you put liquid nitrogen on a. It's not a copper disc, but it's a disc made of some. Yeah, it's a superconductor.
1: It's like you know, basically a superconductive material. It it, it, to be fair, it looks like a bit of carbon or a bit of hard plastic, or a bit of ceramic, um, like a little disc. And as long as that was, I think it was like minus 160 less, and I think. liquid nitrogen's about minus hundred and seventy five or something like that. So you've got ten degrees in hand. Yeah.
0: As long <laughs> as loads to play with. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you can
1: float on that. <laughs> as long as you as long as you kept it that cold, then whatever the you know, the magnetic currents and stuff coming off the magnets and whatever the super you know, with the superconductivity, it just statically locked it in the position. And the really great thing about it was is that you know how you when you get two magnets and you push them together, you feel that you can feel that magnetic force, can't you? It's mm. like a little, a weird pushing sensation. Well, you've got that in every direction, so you know you, you could hold it and like move it around, and it it felt like that all the time. It was like it was literally stuck in between some invisible bubble wrap sort of thing that was all around it. Um, and then he brought this Möbius strip, which in itself actually is quite cool. It, it just, is
0: quite cool. It looks really good. Yeah,
1: but you look at it and it's like that's a continuous. You know, it's it's one it's one thing, but yet it goes upside down, and then comes back round the other, and it's on the other side. And it's like you look at it initially, and thinking, "Wait a minute, where's the?" You know, it flips round, and it and it, but it is one mm. continuous surface, but yet it's two surfaces. So it's, you know, that in itself, you know, you can look at it and it can feel like, "Wow, that's pretty cool." But yes, yeah, so you just pushed it along, and as long as you could keep it cool, it would stay stuck to it. So basically, what we did was, "Well, oh, this is clearly the best way we're going to do," and it's just to make that as Big as possible, and then fortunately, Lexus a few years ago, when I think went, not, when not long went back to the future, yeah, yeah, 2015, was it October 31st or something? 2015 was it October 25th? Oh, I should I, know this. <laughs> so, anyway, somewhere around that, Lexus had, had obviously you know bought some massive superconductors and made this board. So, we kind of thought, well, let's take that, but then it's not a company
0: you expect to build a skateboard, is it? No, Lexus, no, I
1: mean, <laughs> what. You know, it's not like you can go,
0: you know, hoverboard, skateboard by our car afterwards, do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? It's nat- nat- natal 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 step up.
1: <laughs> connection to it was quite light. But um, but yes, yeah, so we thought, well, that's, that's the nearest you're going to get, you know, is to try and do that. And obviously with the BBC's budget, because superconductors, because it's the dudes that brought it. I was like, because okay. I was looking at it thinking like, oh, you know, if I want to make one of these, and like the superconductors just in the board alone were like 25, 30 grand or something, do you know what I mean? And then there's the magnetic bits of track. I think they were like three grand a section or something for this metre of magnets. And it was some ridiculous price. And then you have to be really careful as well, because they were such powerful magnets. Yeah. If they was to ever slap shut... Like together, you wouldn't probably wouldn't be able to pull them apart, not very easily anyway. Yeah. But also, if you had your hand or like arm or anything trapped, it it'll would be, just be gone crush running. your arm. Yeah. So it was like one thing you know, have to keep your phone away from them and everything. So, but yeah, so um, we did that. But unlike, I think that in the Lexus one, they run it pretty, run it pretty flat. Is they they put a they put a jump in it for this uh, this Spanish girl. Can't remember her name now. Oh, she come from Spain. No, she wasn't Spanish. She was she was from Brighton, but she lived in Spain. So and. Judging by the weather today, she's got the right idea. <laughs> yeah. And she come and did it, and they did this little hump. But I had a go on it, and it's uh, it's weird. It was weird, you know, that you weren't touching the floor, and it felt it felt like the board was nearly on like a like a set of inline skates that were you know uh, in front of each other so sort I of think Because there was that you could feel that magnetic force, you know, mm. coming
0: through. But it was like a line straight down the middle of the board. So it was quite oh, weird. Weird because I kind of imagined it watching it being. You know, in playgrounds sometimes you get those big long planks on springs mm. so that kids can balance on them. A bit, It would feel a yeah, bit like that.
1: it essentially was like that. The only thing that you had to but make not sure... not connected to
0: the ground. <laughs> yeah, you're not touching
1: the ground. But also on, on a skateboard or on a bicycle or anything, if you start pedalling and, and you start to lose your balance, you'll steer into to correct yourself. <laughs> you couldn't do this because you can't go off the line of the magnets. So yeah. it stays in a dead straight line. So if you started to lose your balance... You'd, you'd just either you a, yeah wave your arms around sort of thing or, you, or you'd step off it. But then, you know, with practice, you got better and better at it and then you could just jump on it. And also, you kind of wanted to get on it as lightly as possible so you didn't get that bang because you know, it was of just course, like yeah. a spring sort of thing. So you could clap it to the floor, but then it would bounce back up again. So you kind of wanted to get on it as lightly as possible so there was that completely silent just drifting along. And it was, you know, I I managed it a few times, and it really was quite magical. Do I mean that you were just wisping along, and there was nothing? There's no vibrations. There's nothing because you always, you know, with every other thing that we, you know, we get on with skateboard, bicycles, even the bestest of cars, you still feel the vibration of your connection with the ground. And with that, there was just nothing. It was just completely seamless. Sounds amazing. Oh, it was amazing. amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a hell of a day. (laughs) So you can't, you know. I, I shan't forget that it was freezing because it was in this warehouse it, it was actually colder in the warehouse than what was outside but, um, but no it was keeps good. the skateboard cold, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah it did it lasted because they, they put about two or three liters of liquid nitrogen into it and it would last about 20 25 minutes before it free, Oh, before that's not died. too bad yeah it was pretty decent.
0: One thing I did wonder and this is spoiling the magic of television because you don't see it in the video after um and I can't remember the girl's name either I do apologize if you're listening to this how does she stop at the end? How do you break on a hovering skateboard? You, don't, you just jump off <laughs> yeah. it. Just jump. She had some she had some crash mats, which, to be fair, were for the board. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. the board's got
1: twenty five grand's worth of superconductor in it. They don't want to smash that up. So she just jumped off it and then the board landed on these crash mats. But yeah, there is no there is no brakes. And I mean I'm guessing if you had a really, really long track, because it's frictionless, yeah. other than your you know, your um Yourself pushing through the air, you would go for quite a long time off one push, definitely, because it didn't. It never wants to slow down. It just keeps. It just kept going. It was a really surreal feeling.
0: Mind you, I've seen enough of your videos in the past to know that putting brakes on things isn't
1: really your style. (laughs) No, it's not the first time. One of the first things I made, which got me quite well known, was this world's fastest mobility scooter, where basically took the electric engine out of a mobility scooter and replaced it with a motorbike engine and I got, to the, I got to the end went to test it I like got it all all finished and ready took it out to this like road in the middle of nowhere and got on it and then I was suddenly like I've got no brakes because on the mobility scooter the brake was on the back of the electric motor it was like an electronic of course, brake yeah. of course there was no brake lever or anything anywhere saying you need to reconnect <laughs> me so I just didn't even think I'd spent that much brain power trying to get the engine under the seat and I got up there and I was like oh, There's no brakes, I'd bring it back and you can tell now, it's like, you can clearly see the brakes were retrofitted because there's a bit missing out the frame that's had like a bit cut out of it and kind of a little loop bodged into it to get the disc to come out. So it was, it was a bit, well, it's a bit of a shame really because it was all so tidy and Uh. there's this kind of brake on a, you know, sitting there rather just doesn't look right if you know what I mean. I was like, (laughs)
0: that's not supposed to be there, is it? Brits in sheds. Brits in sheds. (laughs) So, how quickly when someone comes to you with an idea like let's levitate Rick Edwards, how quickly do you say yes to something like that? And what's your th- what's your th- thought process when you think how do we how are we going to solve this kind of problem?
1: That was a pretty easy one. That was because that's that's good <laughs> no, fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's a different process because you know because the BBC are involved and stuff like that. It's not just me doing it on my own sort of thing. You know, there's there's other people doing research and stuff in the background, so it's a slightly different job to you know to some of my other projects you know like can you build a land speeder or a big Star yeah. Wars thing you know I have to do everything there completely myself but um but no with anything like that I mean obviously you know the, the payoff was the, you know the day riding the hoverboard or whatever You yeah. this is this is the crazy thing that this kind of career, if you could call it, opens these doors. Because for somebody else to want to do that, I don't know how you'd even instigate it. If you know what I mean, if there wasn't the television side of things and the YouTube and BBC attached to it, you can't just ring people up and go, "Oh, can mm-hmm. we?" Uh... You know that thing you built you know, years ago that cost you, you know, probably a million quid or something. Can I have a girl on it?
0: <laughs> so, but there we are. well, that kind of leads me on because I wanted, I was going to ask towards the end as a close, but I'll ask it now. If anyone's listening to this and anyone watches your videos and is thinking, that looks like really good fun, but I'm not an engineer, I don't have much of an engineering background, how how would you recommend that someone gets into doing the kind of thing that you do? And should you try this at home, kids? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you should try it at home, really. I think a lot of people, I mean, we've got a bit of an issue, I think, at the moment,
1: especially in, in this country, is that schools struggle to teach practical projects, mainly because of all the red tape tied with the... Health and safety and stuff like that, because I mean I remember back to when I was at school. We had a we had an engineering room, and I look back now and I I can think what was in it and I understand what was in it now. We had like some forges at the back. There was there was a mill in the corner. There was two lathes and stuff, and I understand that now. But we very rarely ever got to use any of this yeah, because for. And if you're a teacher, you can kind of see it from their perspective. <laughs> you know, I've got these twenty absolutely wappy kids have never been anywhere near tools like this before. And then you're just gonna give them a lathe. Do you know what I mean? It's like they need one to one tuition for a little bit. So I think. So I can kind of understand it from both sides. But, you know, we need to, you know, like give kids drills and stuff, you know, let them drill holes in things, let them snap drill bits and, you know, cross cross thread stuff and things like that. Cause this is how you learn. And if there's anyone that's a bit older than that, you know, buy some tools, even if they're just cheap ones, you know, that that don't last very long. At least if you get the first one, get the bug, you know, get into it, you know, get a cheap welder or whatever. You can buy pretty cheap welders off Amazon and eBay and stuff now. They're not fantastic, but they're better than no welder. Just have a go. You know, you need yourself like a shed or a room in the house or whatever that you can go make a mess in just
0: you know if you start doing something it will lead on to something else speaking of leading on to something else any new big projects on the horizon anything you can kind of tease to let slip on i'm hoping in the new year i'm going to build a tank i won't say any more of how
1: how and what shape it will look like but that is that's the first project when i when i come back <laughs> from you know from my mental holiday <laughs> across Christmas although to be fair I don't really go on holiday I've got a couple of modifications I want to make to some of the things in the shed a couple of tall modifications my slip roller is really hard to use because it's so heavy I can't move it around myself so I'm going to put that on a bit of a hinge and wheels and stuff and I've just bought all these English wheels and metal shaping for the land speeder and I have kind of need to find homes for them now because it's dotted around all over the place so I'm going to do that and then it, and it's tank time people have been asking me to make a tank for years
0: so <laughs> it's coming, that's gonna people. be that's it's gonna be coming. Quite, that's gonna be quite something to watch. I'm I'm hoping for flamethrowers. You can wink so Lincolnshire police can't hear you. If oh, be it's, a flame yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, as long as they don't do it outside the house on the public road, it's not so bad, I don't think. I think that was the main problem. I was in the Daily Mail we're <laughs> like Burning past my house with this flamethrower sticking out the back. It was asking for trouble, really. But it's great are. publicity. Oh, I, I mean, I would have loved to have milked it more. But, of course, I had this firearms charge hanging over my head. And if they'd have looked... I, I, I was a bit worried. I thought, if I try and, you know, milk this for all it's worth and they decide to throw the book at me, I mean, even getting on a plane to go to America, things like that, you'd struggle to travel anywhere with this, you know, yeah, firearms charge. And, thought, That's going and that was for
0: the... Problems. That wasn't for the jet-powered bike? No, or the jet-powered
1: bike, that's just a jet-powered bike. So there was no, there was no, there was no police issues just with the that. Just a jet-powered bike, no, no big just, deal. Yeah, that's all good, makes a noise. Yeah, you're happy with that. But no, uh, they don't like flamethrowers on mopeds. <laughs>
0: Killjoys. Yeah, Kill joys. <laughs> fools. So is there anything that you've never been able to build that if you had like a, a literally unlimited budget, you would? I'd like to do a homemade roller coaster at some
1: point. Now, whether I do that here or not is the, is the issue. Because I don't think the neighbours are going to be too happy with that. But <laughs> that'll, that'll be something new. The neighbours aren't too <laughs> well. Exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, you know, strange feeling them. for you. you. know, they are very, they are very understanding, and and I understand that I am not always the easiest person <laughs> to live next to. So must be try fun and, though and, for them and you. I mean, this is the best way they can look at it, isn't it? They get all the entertainment early, early access. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. they, you know, they could even, you know, contribute to it. So, oh, I wonder, wouldn't that look better, red? or anything like that but I'm not sure not sure it's seen all the time but um, but yeah a ro- homemade roller
0: coaster would be pretty cool so, but that took a lot of building that would what happens to all of the old inventions the old creations I'm sure some of them are tucked away in the shed but what happens to the giant ones like things like the AT walker that you made which I don't know how, to, how high was that 6 metres 7 metres yeah, about or something f- like yeah that? five and a half, six and a half 6 metres I think I mean, um, how do you get that out of your garden <laughs> well, <laughs> where does it end up
1: everything that gets made here has to be has to fit through the gate gate's 33 inches I know that off by art so it either has to go through the gate or potentially through the garage so the garage is harder to get through now because I've got my plasma cutter and everything all set up in there. But that's on wheels, even so that even everything does move. But the bigger stuff uh, we built the Tie Fighter was built in my mate's barn at his farm, um, and that's where some of the stuff is as well. I've got like you know I've got storage units and stuff which you have got bits in. The bunker is like a little mini museum that's got all sorts okay. of things and stuff in that. But generally I don't get nothing gets dismantled to make something else. Yeah. Always keep it complete and as much as possible
0: fully functioning. I think my favourite one you've ever done, and it's not the most extreme, but it just looks brilliant. Is the flame thrower guitar? I just, I <laughs> love that.
1: It's it's quite weird as well because it always gets used in the bunker, and it's like one of those things like, oh, you got a flame throwing guitar? Let's use it in a enclosed space underground. <laughs> it's the worst place ever, really, to use it. But it's the best place because it's a steel box. So you can't, can't set fire to it. That's true. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that was for Intel. That was Intel funded that because they did this. They did this TV show called America's Greatest Maker, which for some reason I was like one of the mm-hmm. promo people. Maybe they couldn't get anyone else. But, couldn't find an American. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> find an American that would do it. So um, so yeah, I ended up doing that, and it had one of their boards controlling it, so it would it would fire off in
0: time with the music. Amazing. So, How long does it take you to come up with an idea and then make it happen? Does it very hugely or? Do you oh, say
1: it it could be five minutes up to a couple of days. You know, or a bit longer than that. I mean, that's, like with that's with quick though. Well, yeah, because I mean, this is the great thing about YouTube is you've got nobody other than yourself to answer to. You know, you don't. I don't have to. You know, take it, pitch it to anybody. I mean, with the sponsored projects, you know, they sometimes have to agree with. You know, agree that that's what they want them to build. But that's that's not normally that difficult because normally when they come to you, it's with a specific, either a specific idea like eBay. Can you build a land speeder? yes, this is the time scale. okay, let's do it, sort of thing. Where sometimes they're a bit more vaguer. Uh, I made a hot tub car, which was which was actually for a Google advert, and they just said, can you make something using products from these advertisers, mm. sort of thing. So nobody makes hot tub cars, but they had arg- They wanted me to use Argos, like, more you know, some of it. So we got leaf blowers and stuff, the barbecue, come from some barbecue company, that was built into the boot. <laughs> Sort of thing. So I said, "Well, here's all the components that you want me to use, and I'm putting it in this hot tub car. Do you, you know, is that okay?" Nine times out of ten, they all just go, "Yep, that's that's fine. <laughs> go for it." Sort of thing. But then sometimes you can come up with really, you know, like really odd, crazy things. Like the belt of knives is probably one of the most dangerous things I've ever made. I mean, the clues in the title that that might be. Oh a risky yeah, it's, one. A, <laughs> it's a spinning belt of knives. So if you can imagine like a ring that sits around near your belt with uh, another ring on a bearing with eight carving knives dangling off it on hinges so of course as it spins they then you know flick up and you can just you can just literally feed salad bread and it just slices it and it is it is dangerous because my because we kind of we kind of first dreamt of it as a proximity belt this was its initial idea is I went somewhere where people were just constantly in your face and I was like, "How can I stop people like coming this close to me?" This was years ago. It was a, it was a never country. I won't go into the country. I don't want to you know, get into trouble. But, um, but basically, so, oh, I've had a belt of knives around me. Nobody'd be able to get close to me, sort of thing. And uh, and to kind of demo it in the video, we got this blow up doll on a stick, and my mate chucked it in it. But as it caught the blow up doll, it flicked one of the knives up, and it did actually, it did oh, wow. actually That's cut a my arm. You proper, can see it proper in, scar there. Yeah, yeah, it's a proper slit. Sort of thing. I mean, it, all it wanted was like a little cover plate over the top to stop them going above 90 degrees. But, of course, you know, you live and learn, don't you? <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, but things are like, ideas like that. I mean, A, if there, if it was for TV, you'd never... That wouldn't get past the first meeting, I don't think. <laughs> no. But, you know, I could think of that. I can wake up, think of it, go in the shed... You know, I've got loads of bits of stuff laying around, bearings. You know, I've got trays of bearings and things like that. You know, you can sometimes make up a prototype or something very crudely in a day sort of thing. And then you might look at it and think, right, let's change this, this and that. And then there you are. And if you film it, as you go along. You know, you can sometimes produce things very quickly. But then, of course, there is a flip one, so you know, like land speeders and attack walkers, which take, you know, over, you know, their months sort of yeah. thing rather than yeah, days yeah. and weeks. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, the
0: the, the speeder looks, it looks Unbelievable! It looks. I mean, I, you've actually. It, it's not just a speed. It looks just like the real thing, yes,
1: doesn't it? Yes. It's. I mean, I'm well pleased with it. I didn't actually want to paint it because it's metal. It's the only metal one in existence, I think. I'm not seeing anyone else make it. Normally, fiberglass. But you know, when we'd spent all this time like shaping this metal English wheel in it and stuff, and I looked at it and just thought, oh, it
0: looks so cool. It looks like an Airstream caravan. It looked really badass in chrome, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It kind of. Well, the kind of Star Wars is that kind of that 40s, 50s, slightly Airstreamed aesthetic. For the good guys, at least the bad guys get kind of angular, yeah, brutalist architecture. But it just looked awesome in chrome. I know, right? and not I was chrome, just like, oh, you know, it,
1: it kind of felt, you know, like criminal to paint it. But I kind of equally think, well, I kind of got to paint it. You know, they have asked me <laughs> to build the replica one in the film, so if I turn it really with really this good, tin though. one, they'll think <laughs> I've not finished it. But uh, but no, the 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 maker in me wanted to leave it bare metal, definitely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, final question. What would be your your message to anyone out there who who wants to get involved in engineering but isn't a natural? Um, just like I said before,
1: buy some tools. Even you know, even if you haven't got much of an idea, just start putting stuff together. Because if you start some, if you start anything, it will lead on to something else. And it is the starting which most people struggle with. You know, with anything, even like podcasts or anything like that. Just record yourself talking, play it back, listen to it. If you think, oh, that sounds terrible. Why does it sound terrible? Do it again, change it. It will get better. Naturally, the more you do something, the better you'll get. But just start
0: doing something. Fantastic. Colin, thank you so much. And the how to levitate video from the Edge of Science series is on the BBC Earth YouTube channel right now. It's went public, I think, yesterday, didn't it? So you can go and check it out now. It is it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Levitating. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The force of nature that is Colin Furs. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us. I had an absolute blast. What a guy. What a guy. Slightly different from our normal pint of science fair, but I think you'll agree. Absolutely brilliant. We'll be back with a new series, Series 2, some point in the new year. We're working on it as we speak, so do hang around. Make sure you subscribe so you get notifications when it launches. And we'll see you again soon, hopefully with Callum and or Jim in tow.